We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, and we've got a familiar face in the house, ladies and gentlemen. It is Chris Zaneri, Mr. Connecticut Water. Uh, Chris, how's it going, man? Hey, it's been great. Uh, good off season, good summer. Uh, spent a lot of time with uh, our 20-month-old grandson. Uh, we have a five-week-old grandson as we uh, as we tape this, that we were fortunate enough to be down in South Carolina uh, for his birth. So it's been a great summer of family time, played a little golf here and there, uh, you know, have some duties with the Pacers uh, during the draft and uh, the the draft lottery party and and uh, did a fever event the other night. Uh, so yeah, just a, a lot of those things. And, and uh, you know, looking forward to the month of September, I, we've got another getaway that we'll do for about a week. And then I'll really use the month of September into October to really you know, work on all those uh, score sheets that you guys know so very well. So uh, that'll be something that is the rosters are pretty much set now. Uh, I'll really start honing in on that here at the end of this month into into September. Yeah, no, I'm really interested because training camp, when is that again coming up in September? And then I know it's a little bit later. Uh, I I think I think the season is a week later this year, Uh, you know, opening uh, opening week at 24th Pacers open on the 25th against Washington, uh, you know, last year, I think it was the 17th. And I think part of that is the calendar. And I think part of that is also the FIBA cup, mm. uh, the world cup. Uh, I, I think the final game in, in Japan or the Philippines where they're playing is September the 10th. And you oh. have so many NBA players representing their countries that I'm sure the NBA wanted to give players some appropriate time to rest uh, before training camp starts. So uh, media day is 
uh, I believe Monday, October 2nd, and then the first practice of training camp will be Tuesday, October 3rd. So we still have, you know, a month and a half uh, before things start officially, though I, I was in the building the other day, TJ McConnell was back working out. You'll start to see a lot of the players the the first of September that will be in for sort of that unofficial workouts uh, that go on. Yeah, it's been an exciting off season, so that's why it feels like, oh man, we still have so long to go and, until you know real games are being played. But speaking of that exciting off season, was there a move in particular that really had you thinking, like, oh wow, like this this is going to be big this year? This really has us, you know, looking at the season a little bit differently than maybe a year ago. I think coming out of the gate in free agency and, and able to get Bruce Brown uh, from that standpoint, uh, I've always liked him. He was a second round draft pick with Detroit. Uh, out of the University of Miami, went to Brooklyn. And of course, I think, as we all know, won a title last year in Denver. I think the ability to get somebody like him that can play multiple positions, both on the offensive and defensive end, is just going to make this lineup stronger. So I would say right out of the gate uh, in free agency, coming to an agreement with Bruce Brown was huge. But then I think the OB Toppin trade was, uh, was if there's one A, it's one B. Uh, to be able to get somebody who again, is in that draft class, what he going into his fourth year with Tyrese and and Wara and Neesmith and, and Jalen Smith. I mean, you've got a number of high picks now on your roster from that from that draft. And he's a guy that we saw late in the year twice against the Pacers play very well for the Knicks. And when he received appropriate minutes, he put up some big numbers. The problem was he was behind Julius Randle and you know, he was getting 13 to 15 minutes per game. So I think if you if you look at his numbers over, you know, per 36, uh, they're pretty good numbers. And and I think he will add a lot uh, to this Pacers roster. I think he fits very well uh, next to Miles Turner up front. And with Halliburton, Brown, and Toppin, you've got three of the top transition players in the NBA now all on the same team. So I, I think I think those two were huge. And, and that's not forgetting that the Pacers, I think, had some success, very good success in the draft. But when you're able to get the caliber of young veterans you were able to get in Brown and Toppin, I think that was important. We had Chad Buchanan on our podcast, and we openly asked him about these position battles because there's a lot of competition this season going into the year with not knowing who's going to be your starting power forward, small forward, shooting guard, that kind of thing. I think that Chad said... We know Miles and Tyrese will probably start. And other than that, everything's kind of open, you know, for competition. Curious your thoughts on the roster they've assembled together and what position battles you're excited to see come training camp. Yeah, probably as deep a roster as we've seen in a number of years when you think about the quality of players that are on this roster. Um, you know, you have a number of players that started last year. Aaron Neesmith started a ton of games. Benedict Matherin could have started, but they opted to use him off the bench. He started late in the year when Buddy Heald went to the bench. Nemhard was a starter last year. I mean, Bruce Brown was the sixth man in Denver, but played starter minutes. Uh, I think there's a lot of healthy competition. And I think that only makes you better. And as I analyze the schedule, with you know some of the road trips and the back-to-backs in the regular season, you need a deeper roster than maybe you need in the postseason. So I think there there's enough playing time there uh, throughout the year for all of those players. I I, I listened and to to your podcast with Chad. I think you know the backup center position behind Miles Turner will be something to watch. 
You have Daniel Tice, who played uh, midway through the season when he was healthy and then did not play late. And they sort of alternated between Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. It will be interesting to see if one of those players takes a step forward. But uh, in listening to Chad, each of those players is different. And depending on the team that you're playing that particular night, one of those players may be better suited to get the backup minutes behind Miles Turner than somebody else. So I think they have a lot of options. I mean, you know, one of my favorite words now is Kevin Pritchard's word. It's optionality. <laughs> uh, they talked about that going into the draft. They talked about that going into free agency. I tend to think that this coaching staff, Rick Carlisle, has a lot of optionality uh, when you look to this roster. Definitely a lot of optionality, which is a great problem to have. And it, it's just having a competitive, deep roster, I think, is going to bring out the best for the overall common goal, winning. But one of those centers that you talked about, Miles Turner. Can Turner, coming off of a career and contract year, take another step forward? Because offensively, we saw the best Turner we've ever seen. Defensively, I feel there's there's room to either get back to where he was or even – to a spot that he's never been before. And I think defense, that's really what we could use the most right now. Yeah, and I think one of the things, guys, is he's coming into the season, he's healthy, mm -hmm. and he doesn't have all that baggage that people are talking about. You know, is he going to be here? Is he not going to be here? I mean, he signed a, a, an extension, a big extension that went into effect last year and with the money, and then, you know, signed a two-year deal to, to stay with the Pacers. I, I think all that plays into... Miles being feeling very comfortable. He has a great relationship with the front office, a great relationship with his teammates. And, and the bottom line is he likes playing with Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, I, I thought Tyrese unlocked Miles Turner last year, and I thought that was very healthy for him. So I, I think the sky's the limit for, for Miles. I think he comes into uh, the 23-24 season in a much better mindset than maybe he's ever had uh, before, uh, especially the last few years. This team won 35 games last year and really kind of shocked a lot of fans by winning 10 more games than they had done the previous season. And there was a lot of question marks coming into the year, like, what is this season going to be like? And people even have said, if Tyrese doesn't get hurt in January, this is a playoff team. So I'm curious, what are your expectations for this team coming into the season? Well, I definitely think, you know, when you, when you go out and get personnel like Bruce Brown and Obi Top, and it means that you're, you're, you're trying to do something, right? They're, I think this franchise is ahead of where they maybe thought they would be two years ago, if not last fall. Uh, you're right, 23 and 18, going to New York to start the second half of the season. Tyrese gets hurt. I think what, they? I think they were fifth or sixth in the East at that point. Um, and then Tyrese gets hurt, and they go one and nine over the next ten games. That pretty much shut the door on what this team was able to accomplish. But um, I, I think there's a hunger. Uh, you've got guys that have not made the playoffs. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald have not played in the postseason. Um, if you look up and down the roster, and it's so young, very few of those players. I mean, Aaron Neesmith was in the postseason in Boston, but how much did he play? Yeah. So if if you look at the roster, there's a hunger there uh, to get to the playoffs. Uh, as Tyree said, when he signed his extension, he wants to get Pacers basketball back to where it's supposed to be. And I think we can go back in the Reggie Miller days. I mean, we can even go back to 2011, 12, 13, 14, 
uh, that run where the Pacers in back-to-back years made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, that means you're in the final four of the NBA. So I think there's a great hunger among the players to get there. Um, I still think I still think it's a difficult Eastern Conference. You know, when you look up and down, uh, you, you get Boston, you have Milwaukee. I mean, who knows about Philadelphia, you know, with the Harden situation, but they do have Joel Embiid. Um, you know, Atlanta, Cleveland. I mean, the Knicks were a playoff team last year. Um, it's still a difficult conference, but I do think, that the Pacers are primed to take that next step. Uh, you know, listening to Chad, he said, you know, we might win 39 games and feel really good about where we are, and we might win 42 and not feel so good. So uh, a lot's going to depend on the health of this team. Um, and and they always say you sort of know about your team come Christmas time. Last year we knew, and the, the team was off to a really good start and was a playoff team, and then Tyrese went down. So, um you know, here on August the 17th, it's a little hard to project, but I do have a really good feeling about what this what this group could potentially be. Yeah, staying on the topic of Tyrese, obviously he signs that, you know, max extension, the largest contract in Pacers history. It's fantastic. Locked up their franchise player. But he's also now more than a full year under his belt, playing under Coach Carlisle. He's got the experience now playing with Team USA. I mean, what do you feel that that can do for him as now this isn't the first time that he's really stepping into being a leader. It's now he has familiarity with the coaching style and the style around him. Like you mentioned, bringing in Bruce Brown, bringing in Obi Toppin, wanting to play fast and having efficient players in transition. What do you feel that that could do for Tyrese as he looks to take another step forward, potentially going past an all-star into a potential all-NBA type player? Yeah, this is going to whet his appetite for the playoffs, right? Because he's going to be playing high-level basketball overseas, trying to to win a gold medal for Team USA. So that's like being in the postseason. And um, that's just going to fuel him even more. Because once he gets a taste of that, he's going to want to bring that back to Indiana. Um, I've been very impressed being around him. I mean, he does not feel like a young man in his early 20s. I mean, you you talk to him and how he carries himself you know, he he feels like a 30-year-old. Um, so I, I just think this summer and this experience is going to be big for him. And he can adapt to the role that he needs to have, particularly in those first three or so pre, uh, pre, pre-camp games or preseason games for Team USA. What, he had 12 assists in a game? He doesn't have to score. With the Pacers, he feels like at times he has to score. Uh, and, and he was. He was a 2010 guy last year. Um, I, I just think the experience that that he has he has gained and is gaining uh, through being a part of Team USA is just going to make him a better NBA player and a better leader for the Indiana Pacers. The in-season tournament is something that is very new to us as we have never seen it before, and it's going to take place this year in the month of November. You'll have four of those key games, two on the road, two at home, and then the in-season tournament will take place that second week of December what are your thoughts on the in-season tournament? How are you kind of expecting things to play out this year? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be a work in progress. It is so new. It It is a little bit, I don't want to say a lot like European soccer, because European soccer, when you think Champions League, when you think the FA Cup, all those kinds of things, those are multiple different leagues coming together. This is just the NBA, its own league, uh, participating in a preseason 
you know, uh, I guess like it's almost like it's like a pre-conference tournament in college basketball. Gotcha. Um, I did another interview today earlier today, and I said, you know, it's like in college basketball when eight teams go to the Great Alaskan Shootout or eight teams go to Hawaii for the Rainbow Classic or the Maui or or teams get together for various other tournaments throughout the United States. While your focus is trying to get to the NCAA tournament and eventually winning an NCAA championship, you're also looking at these individual tournaments as a as a point of pride and, and trying to win a championship. So now it gives NBA teams sort of a second thing to look at. Um, you know, I, the other night uh, in the Commissioner's Cup in the WNBA, it was Vegas and the New York Liberty. And the New York Liberty ended up winning, so they won the Commissioner's Cup. And it was the first WNBA title of any sort that they had had. Now, back in the late 90s, I think, they were in the WNBA Finals, but they didn't win. So it just gives your group another chance to compete uh, for a championship. And we'll just have to wait and see. I do like how they've done it by, by taking specific nights and saying, this is NBA Cup night. This is NBA Cup night. And I think they learned from the WNBA because the way the WNBA did it, you played 10 games. And then at the end of those 10 games, the two teams with the best records went to Vegas and, and played for the championship. The problem was, is those 10 games were interspersed on multiple different nights and uh, two WNBA teams may be playing a cup game and there were three other regular season games. So I think what... What we'll do from our telecast, what the NBA has talked about, if it's on ESPN or TNT, it will have a specific look to designate that, hey, tonight is NBA Cup night, um, you know, Pacers versus Detroit. Um, I, I think we'll, we'll be better able to evaluate it after it's complete. But I think you got to do some things out of the box. And you're you're right near the end of the NFL season, the end of the college football season. College basketball is just getting underway. So I think it's a good idea to try it and, and see how it works. You know, sticking on the subject of, of the schedule, Alex and I were talking offline, and uh, we thought they did a great job with limiting the back-to-backs that you see now. The Pacers have 13 back-to-backs, but not all of them are ones that they have to travel for. Sometimes you're playing the same team. Sometimes you might be playing the Lakers and then the Clippers. So you're playing in that same city, that same arena. You know, how do you feel that that's changed from the past where teams used to be loaded up on playing either back-to-backs or maybe it's three games and four nights, maybe the occasional four games and five or six nights. I feel like this has reduced the wear and tear great, you know, drastically for players. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, I look at the back-to-backs. There are a number of back-to-backs where the Pacers will play a home-home at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So an opponent on Friday night and then a different opponent on Saturday. You're right. For the second straight year, go to L.A. and play the Clippers and the Lakers on back-to-back nights. Um, it, it does take a lot of the travel uh, miles down, which I think is important. Um, 13 back-to-backs. Guys, I think, you know, back in the mid-2000s to 2009-10, when I was about three or four years into this job, I remember there were like 22 or 23 back-to-backs. It, it, it always seemed like our schedule would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And a lot of times it was Tuesday at home, Wednesday on the road, Friday on the road, Saturday at home. 
Um, and, and so I think as much as you can limit those back-to-backs, I think that's really important. So you're never going to be able to eliminate them all, but if you can manage it the way that they've managed it, I think they've done a good job. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you look at this schedule overall, I know you told me that you're putting all these dates in your phone (laughs) for the upcoming year. I'm just curious, is there a road trip that stood out to you and thought, man, this looks like a very... Tough stretch for the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, last year um, in the first month and a half of the season, the Pacers had a seven-game road trip that was 13 days and I think a five-game or over nine. Um, as I look this year, there's a six-game road trip in January that starts in Atlanta. It goes west and ends in Phoenix, but it's only about nine or ten days over a six-game period. And then there's a trip in March – Uh, because of Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament, boys' high school finals, uh, the Pacers are on the road for 10 of 15 dates in March. Mm -hmm. And one of those is a five-game road trip that includes three games out west, but it starts in Detroit and ends in Chicago. And the good news about that is it's always tough when you're coming back from the West Coast. So, for instance, if you end – in LA, for instance, the road trip, and it's a it's a late game. Many many years ago, we would fly after the game and get back at like seven in the morning, and that just kills your day. It, um, then sometimes the team now will stay, and then you come back the next day, and while you're refreshed, still kills the day, right? So I don't mind that trip from the standpoint it starts in Detroit, ends in Chicago. You're at Golden State, and then you have the back-to-back against the Lakers and the Clippers um, at Crypto.com. That's a tough trip, though. I mean, you know, Golden State should be good again. You've got the Lakers. You've got the Clippers. Um, You know, anytime you look at a schedule, you you tend to look at how the games are bunched and how difficult they could be. Um, But that's what stands out to me. I mean, it, it starts out 21 of the first 37 are at home. Seven of the first nine, 11 of the first 16 at home at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So you would hope that the Pacers can take advantage of that early in the season. I really hope they can. I think getting off to a hot start is going to be huge. But looking at the schedule, there's just the league is in such a good place right now that there's not many easy wins. Uh, I think even teams that have really struggled, like the Houston Rockets, should be drastically better 
than the last few years. The San Antonio Spurs have no reason to be tanking. They should be better. So it's hard to just circle it and say, yeah, that's a guaranteed win. But going back to the team overall, I mean, coming off a of summer league, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, two of the more seasoned players that we saw on the team. You know, what are your expectations for those guys coming into year two after really promising rookie years that we saw last year? Yeah, you just want to take see them take another step. And, you know, as we talked at the beginning of this, it's going to be highly competitive uh, for playing time, let alone starting lineup, let alone rotation. Um, you know, Nemhard played very, very well in the couple games he played in summer league. Uh, started alongside Halliburton last year. You know, it's it's how, how do you keep T.J. McConnell off the floor? I mean, he was such uh, a valuable asset to this team last year. Um, late in the year, they made the move where they brought Buddy Heald off the bench and they started Benedict Matherin. Um, I would anticipate that Matherin would be a starter this year again in in some form. You know, the question is, is, is Bruce Brown a starter? Um, you know, do, do they feel like he could be more of an asset coming off the bench? Uh, what was it a month ago uh, when he was interviewed uh, with the sunglasses on, right, Rick Carlisle? I, he said, hey, I don't have to worry about that. Training camp's not until October. I'm sure he has doodled rotations and lineups <laughs> and all those kinds of things. Uh, over the last month or so, but um, I, I think that'll be fascinating about training camp. Um, I'm very high on those two rookies. I mean, Nemhard was terrific last year. Think about it, guys. Last year, they played the first game of the year, and he never got off the bench. Mm -hmm. And then he started over 60 games. I mean, that's how valuable Andrew Nemhard was last year. Yeah, I love Andrew Nimhart. He's becoming one of my favorite pacers right now just because of the way he plays and the the way he's so composed. And I think that he's going to be very good in whatever role they ask him to do. And I think Chad brought up a great point on the podcast as well, that he can play multiple positions. While he's naturally a one, he can play the two, which allows them to have that versatility. And like you said, with TJ McConnell, while it's going to be interesting how his minutes come about this year, if you really want to play him and he earns those minutes, you know, Nimhart won't be necessarily the guy taken the lesser minutes because they can play together but i am curious your thoughts just from a league perspective was there a move or two that you saw this offseason that kind of was like hey that's a good move for that team and maybe maybe one that was under the radar maybe one was a little bit like oh yeah that makes sense well i think the one that brad stevens pulled off the the porzingis deal uh bringing him to boston marcus smart who felt like he was the heart and soul of the celtics now in memphis um but i think they felt like they needed to make a change. Um, mm -hmm. You know, of course, they re-signed Jalen Brown as they should have. They've got Tatum. Um, they become a different team without Marcus Smart. And I'm interested to see, you know, how Porzingis fits in. I mean, this is a, a very talented player who now is on his fourth team, you know, started in New York, then was with Rick Carlisle in Dallas, uh, then was in Washington and, and now in Boston. So I think that's one. Uh, you know, Bradley Beal forming a big three in Phoenix uh, with Durant and Booker, uh, you know, Chris Paul now at, at Golden State. I mean, you wonder what the window is. I mean, Steph Curry looks like he could play forever. You know, Clay Thompson, I mean, Draymond Green resigns, but that window is going to shut, you feel like, at some point with Golden State. And does Chris Paul help them get back to where they want to be? So, 
there are a lot of other moves. Um, you know, that's that's the thing as I as I do my charts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there 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 were a lot of under the radar player moves this year that that I think will be fascinating to watch. I mean, look look there, at Cleveland. Look at Cleveland. They get Max Struess and they get George Niang. I mean, those mm-hmm. are two guys that can really shoot the ball. Um, that you add that now to to Garland and and their bigs and Karis Levert and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, that's a that's a pretty explosive offensive team now uh, that Cleveland can put on the floor. Yeah, I just really don't think there was too many teams that kind of hit the reset button. I feel like there was a lot of teams that added to a core, even if it was a couple of players. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun year. But one player that we didn't get to touch on, Jarris Walker. The Pacers drafted Jarris Walker, someone who was very exciting in, in summer league. We saw some moments that looked unbelievable and maybe some moments that said, okay, hey, you know what? He's a rookie. It's going to take a little bit of time. But how do you feel that Jarris fits into what the Pacers are looking to do this year, knowing that the last two rookies that we brought in, they ended up having a pretty solid role. But obviously, at this point, this team's even deeper than that team from last year. Yeah, it'd be interesting, and and I think with Obi Toppin, it it you you might be able to bring him along slower if that's what you want to do. Yep. Um, you know, Jairus Walker, and one of the first two uh, summer league games, he had what thirteen points, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks, or whatever. Um, you know, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but then had the procedure uh, and should be fine for training camp. Uh, he just gives them a a young athletic big that is, I think, going to be a really good defender and is going to do what, whatever it takes to be out there on the floor. I mean, you know, from a mindset standpoint, he reminds me of a bigger Matherin, you know, yeah. uh, from the standpoint of of what he can do. So I'm excited about him. And And again, when you look at the roster, I'm glad I'm not the coach to have <laughs> to tough. figure out how yeah. to play all these players. But again, as you look at the schedule and you look at the back-to-backs and you know that somebody's going to get nicked up here or there, they're going to sprain an ankle or whatever, you're going to need that depth because if you want to win 40-plus games, you're going to need those players to play. You can't have a drop-off when somebody's injured and, you know, afford to go on a three, four, five game losing streak. That's one of the great things that Austin Crozier told me years ago. He said back when he played with Reggie and Mark Jackson, that their thing was, we're not losing two in a row. We're not, we're not ever going to lose three in a row. And I think that's the mindset that you have to take. You know, you're going to lose games here and there, but how do you stop a losing streak? And I think you do that with good depth uh, because a lot of times during, you know, those losses, you're going to come up short because you're you're injured. So I think it's important to have as much depth as possible so that you don't take a step back when somebody's out. That's a great point. And I think bringing up Austin Crozier leads me into one of my next questions I have for you, because I recently tweeted that I, I wish I know the Pacers do not retire a lot of jerseys. They're very strict on what jerseys they do retire. And we've seen some like names get mentioned as they could have their jerseys retired this year. I was just curious, what do you think about the Pacers doing some type of ring of honor instead of having jerseys retired? Because I think it'd be a great way to highlight some of these great former Pacers, put them in this ring of honor. Even if their jersey wasn't worth being retired, you honor them for their time with the team. And you can definitely make those nights special at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting take. I mean, when you look up 
um, you know, at the banners, I mean, it's hall of famers, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's Reggie and George McGinnis and uh, slick and, and, you know, just all the, all the great players and, 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 you know, coach that have gone to the hall of fame. So the, the Pacers have sort of kept it right there. Um, So it would be interesting to see how do you honor that next level of player? They, they, they might not deserve or warrant having their jersey retired, but they are somebody that you want to recognize. So well, that's that's an interesting take, no question. Yeah, I'd love to see them do that, and I think it'd be fun just to kind of have players come back into the building, honor them, and let them know, like, you know, we still appreciate all you did for the franchise, and I know that fans love a good nostalgic moment, so that could help. But my last question here for you, Chris, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but I'm curious, if you could give me your Mount Rushmore of broadcasters all time who would those four be um well i i grew up a cincinnati reds fan uh so i i really started uh keying in when al michaels was the voice of the reds and a lot of people might not know that but i I didn't know know that that. (laughs) Um, yet uh when the when the reds made the world series in 1970 i was nine years old uh they got beat by the baltimore orioles and before marty brenneman was the voice of the Reds. Al Michaels was the voice of the Reds. So I would definitely say Al Michaels. I mean, he's still, uh, you know, he's not on NBC anymore, Sunday Night Football, but he's on the Amazon product now on Thursday nights. He's 70 plus years old. He still sounds great. Uh, So I would definitely say uh, Al Michaels would be there. Um, You know, I, I think back to the NBC, NBA days with Bob Costas, I've always been a Bob Costas fan and uh, what he did for the NBA, what he's done for uh, baseball. Uh, Marty Brenneman, uh, a lot of people don't know that back in the 80s, he was the television voice of the Pacers for a year or two. Uh, You know, he he had a lot of experience. Uh, He's from North Carolina, so he's got some basketball roots. So in the Reds off seasons, uh, I, I think it's one or two years uh, that he he called Pacers games on television. Uh, so, you know, I, again, growing up in southwestern Ohio, growing up here in Indiana and a longtime Reds fan, um, I would say uh, Marty Brenneman. And then from a basketball perspective, um, radio wise, um, Don Fisher, you know, voice of IU, um, Joe Tate, who was the longtime radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I used to go to bed uh, in southwestern Ohio with the transistor radio underneath my pillow. And that's when the Cavaliers had Austin Carr and Bingo Smith and Jim Jones. Um, So those are sort of the people that um, I listened to as a kid. There are so many other great broadcasters. I mean, currently he's one of my he's a peer of mine, but I don't consider him a peer. And he's he's the voice of the the Brooklyn Nets. He's the the voice of Thursday Night Westwood One football. He's on CBS Football. He's going to do the NCAA Final Four, and that's Ian Eagle. Mm-hmm. I think Ian Eagle is flat out one of the best broadcasters of all time. He's so versatile. He's such a nice man. Um, I was very fortunate to be the Indiana winner of the National Sports Media Association Awards for 2022. And we had a great gathering in Winston-Salem back in June. And Ian presented me with my award. Wow, that's awesome. He was the national winner of the year. And he just, I mean, he is the best. And uh, so that's a little bit, I'm sure I've left 
you know, people out, <laughs> but that's, I think I could start with that group. I think that's a great group. And you were absolutely deserving of that award. Before we wrap up, I got to tell you, my wife made sure that I make sure to tell you that she says, Hey, she loves hey, you. Her. She misses you. And she hopes all is well. <laughs> oh, we have we have to look at the schedule. So, oh, oh yeah, we're we're gonna be running into each other. Well, let's see. Don't you worry about that. At New York is February first. Yeah, I'll be there. Okay, and then at Brooklyn, we're just there once, April the third. I mean, that's I that's after the first of the year. And it's it's such a crime for me because then it's like you're telling me that unless I'm gonna be traveling all over. I can't get to see them in my own. Now backyard. wait a minute. Can, what about how 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 close can 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 you get to Philly? Uh, so Philly was basically the only closer area that I didn't hit last year because I was hitting Brooklyn, Madison Square Garden, right. um, Washington D.C. I hit Indiana. So Philly is like you know two to three hours. We'll see about that one. Back to back games in Philly on November twelfth. And Tuesday the fourteenth. Interesting. Interesting. In season tournament game too. The fourteenth. Yeah. Oh wow! Really? You might hmm. need Fachi there for that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> unless we uh, want the Fachi curse, uh, then we wouldn't I'm win that I, one. <laughs> hoping I bring some luck. Yeah. Wait a minute. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Fachi, what was your record last year? Zero and four last oh. year. And yeah. Four different. Go to the twelfth. <laughs> okay. We'll wait till twenty four twenty. No, I'm just teasing. And now, but four different arenas, <laughs> four losses. I, something's got to give. I think it might stretch back to the following season. The losing streak, it's gotta end this year. It's going down. I'll be there, Chris. I was chasing you all over the United States at these games. I look forward to it again. We know you're not a big Instagram guy, but tell everybody where they could follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I do have Instagram or or X or whatever we call it, right? Twitter X, uh, yep. at Kristenary. I am on Instagram, but I need to do a better job there. And and you guys now have told me, hey. Get on, I you know, be more effective on IG. I started to do threads. Have yeah. you done threads? I never at all? did. I never I, did. I made it, but I didn't stay with it. I am on threads, but I really, I still default to X. So you don't have to call it X. I'm calling it Twitter. <laughs> we don't call it X. Well, yeah. I never will. <laughs> Sorry, but I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you, I mean, it's easy to say I tweet, but do you X? I mean, it's I, that I've never heard anyone say. I've never said yeah, that. I've never said a good X earlier. I never heard yeah, of that. Yet. I re X'd it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't think about they've that. Gotten, what would you call that? A re X? They've gotten rid of retweets. They're reposts now. I'm sure you've seen uh, that. Oh, well, there you go. That's what yeah. it would be called yeah. then. You're posting yeah. on X. Yeah. So stupid. Well, but I'll, I'll see Alex. I'll see Alex, uh, you know. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah, I'll see him at a number of games. So yeah, I, I got to make my uh, I got to make a trip again. Last year it was too fun, and uh, you know, hey, we got to we got to keep the band together. So absolutely, got, got to see Alex last year. Got to do got to come back and make it a yearly thing. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, so. Chris, we appreciate you coming back on. It's always a treat, and we look forward to having you back on again. So hey, as always, thank you very much, and we can't wait to be hearing you calling Pacer games once again. All right, thanks, guys. Look forward to doing it again. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sleeping every team, we gon' need a